You are listening to Ball Side Goal Side, putting coaches in a better position. Hosted by Ed Heberling and Eric Dabransky. If you enjoy our show, please follow and subscribe to our weekly podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Anchor FM. Also, follow us on social media on Twitter at ball underscore goal underscore side and on Instagram on ball side goal side. All right, back here on ball side goal side. Eric, how you doing down there in South Florida? Good, good. The weather's, weather's uh, cleared up from, uh, from last week where it was just raining, 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 and now it's uh... – it's beautiful outside, so no complaints. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we're getting the weather up here. It was 85, I think. Uh, my wife and I went out for a kayak ride uh, last weekend and going out again tomorrow, I think. So, uh, so nice. Like the weather's turning. Yeah, we did actually have snow over the weekend, which is kind of funny, but uh, it went away right away. So, uh, But, yeah, life is good up here in Utah. Um, and, and we keep getting the, the news of different leagues starting up and, yeah. and uh, you know, MLS still trying to trying to sort out that starting time, but it seems like EPL has the the new start date, and yeah, um, I think everybody's become big uh, German league fans already. And you know, yeah. I was you know with a you know had a group of friends watching um, the the Dortmund and uh, Bayern Munich game on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, you've all you've we've found different ways to watch games uh, together via Zoom and, and stuff like that. So it's <laughs> you know we're all sitting on Zoom just watching the same game. So it's it's been. Uh, it's been entertaining to find different ways to, to kind of, you know, stay involved in the game and stay involved with coaches and, and things like yeah. that. Yeah, it's been good. That's a, I, I lost my Fox subscription, and I haven't been able to figure out how to watch a Bundesliga match. So I'm a little upset. But, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to figure it out here soon, get it back going. But um, And then yeah, things are moving in the right starts again too, you know. Yeah. WSL yeah. is on the go. So, mm-hmm. you know, everything, everything seems to be going in the right direction. And, obviously, we continue to hope that everybody's – safe and healthy and, you know, finding different ways, uh, you know, like you and I to stay, uh, stay entertained and informed and, and, uh, continue to kind of learn from people via these podcasts and, uh, yeah. uh trying to get everybody to come on and guess that, that we want to learn from and, and things like that. So we're, uh, we're checking off our list as we go. <laughs> so, and, and yeah. today, obviously I'm really excited about, um, you know, I know we say that about every episode and obviously that's something, you know, that that's obviously very, uh, honest from all you know from me and me and you it's we, we always do appreciate our guests time and and uh you know we really appreciate their knowledge and their various experience and um we have chris ganem on today uh the head coach at palm beach atlantic university uh he spent time at colorado university university of colorado um you know coastal carolina fau so he's been he's been around he's been at different levels um he has written a book uh and it's you know it's called the mental game of soccer. Um, and, uh, I think they might've, they might've updated it, uh, you know, things like that. But, uh, he is somebody that, that I've really enjoyed getting to know. And, and obviously for me, I'm lucky to, to have him here in the state of Florida, lucky to call him a colleague and obviously lucky to call him a friend as well, because I'm able to call him anytime and, and kind of bounce ideas off of him. I've, you know, just like every coach, I think I've, uh, you know, you take things from different people. Um, and whether you're coaching at high school level, club level, or a college level, those moments before games where you kind of get to quickly interact with the other opposing coach or, you know, just kind of sit there with your, you know, at half and watch your two teams warm up and, you know, kind of chit chat for a second. I think those are always moments that, that have been fun for me. And, and, you know, I think you and I 
I used I, I loved those moments when when you and I played when you were here in this conference and then you know same thing with with, with Chris I, I love every interaction with coaches but Chris it's you know I'm always I'm always getting something from him and I'm always asking what he's doing new uh, but he really is focused on the mental part of of coaching you know in terms of you know uh, that outlook on it and really in, you know empowering his kids to understand that they control uh, what their limits or or you know where they can go with their talent with their life and things like that so I think that's something that you know you've coached in college and I currently coach at college and, and Chris does too I think that's that's all we want from for our players is obviously finding success in whatever way and whatever means they they want to find it and and whether it's on the field whether it's off the field you know really allowing them to build that foundation so it's been really fun to get to know him and then obviously try to talk to him a little bit about the book and and a couple ideas that he's implemented through his you know his team and over his time yeah, I'm really excited, Eric. I think uh, the mental approach is, is one of those that we can all, as coaches, improve upon and try and figure out ways to help our players. And as you said, talking to another coach, find out where he's finding success or she's finding success. And, uh, you know, us as coaches, we always steal something. And if it's not a training exercise, why can't it be a mental approach to the game and, and ways that we can help improve that strength? So really looking forward to speaking with Chris. I know you know him very well, so I'm, I'm looking forward to hear kind of his stories and his, his background and getting a better understanding and maybe ways that um, – myself and our listeners can implement some of his ideas into our programs. Yeah. I think, I think you bring up a good point as well. It's like, I think, I think a lot of people, you know, especially even me, I think some people think that maybe the mental approach is just for players, but I think it's for coaches as well. You know, I think uh, Chris has always been a, been an advocate of that growth mindset of, you know, you could always learn more. You could always gain some wisdom in some aspect of it. And that's on the coaching side of it as well. He and I have, have known each other long enough that, you know, we've kind of grown, grown together in terms of like, I kind of check up on, you know, where he's at as a, as a coach and, and where he's at as, in his program and same with him, with me in terms of, you know, you can always keep learning and he's got, he's got some really, you know, great mentors around him in terms of coaches that he can call and ask and, and develop ideas. But I think uh, it'll be really a lot of fun to, to kind of talk to him and see, see where his career path has taken him, where his, you know, his time in youth soccer and then obviously through his coaching career, what has kind of developed that uh, that mindset and, and his, his philosophy around how he runs his program. All right, back here on Ballside Goalside, we're being joined today by Chris Ganem, the uh, head women's soccer coach at Palm Beach Atlantic University. Chris, how you doing? Doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to have you on. Look forward to speaking with you here today, Chris. Um, not only are you the head coach down there at uh, Palm Beach Atlantic, but uh, you also took part in helping write a book on, on mental toughness and uh, looking forward to discussing that with us uh, with you today. I think as us as coaches, we'll all uh, kind of be able to listen and hopefully get some uh, good key points from you that we can kind of implement in our programs and with our training sessions. Uh, but before we get started, Chris, if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and your history and how you kind of got to where you are today. I mean, game's been part of my life since I was a little guy, I guess. My older brother um, played, so then obviously I wanted to play. And I have a really unique uh, youth background that probably leads me into being more acclimated or want to find out more about the mental side of the game. My first soccer coach from like age six, maybe to 14 or 15, was a double amputee from Vietnam. Um, and obviously I'm older, so we're talking the 70s, and we're not talking these uh, fancy prosthetic legs. We're talking an old fashioned wheelchair. 
Um, so our passing lines were he'd come up in between us and we'd have to pass the ball underneath of his chair. Um, and as we got older, um, you know, he'd be the first guy in the pool uh, swimming. There's nothing that held him back. So I think all of us young guys at some point learned that the only thing that can hold us back is ourself. Um, and being a coach now and being intimidated by sessions, whether that be your first time with a team or your first time with a new group, um, I think about the intimidation that he must have felt wheeling himself out to the field to coach his son and his friends um, because he'd stepped on a landmine in Vietnam and he could no longer play the game that he loved. So I think, you know, it all happens for a reason and coaching and inspiring people and finding mental toughness. I think that probably was something I was introduced to at a very young age by Carl um, and that stuck with me to where I am today. So that's kind of a brief background on that. Going from youth and obviously going to coaching and playing, was that, was that mental part of it always, always something that stuck with you in terms of, I know obviously Coach Carl kind of instilled that aspect of it. Hey, you know, no excuses, always finding a solution. Did you kind of get into coaching as you went through high school, college, and it was like, hey, this is a way to impact young players, guide them, give them solutions, empower them? I think that you look back at your life and you look back at things that were uh, transformational for you. I definitely think that idea of overcoming yourself um, is something that I've always been into um, and taking a player or a group of players and letting them know that wherever their limit is, and that's just something they've created that we are in essence limitless up until where our mind wants us to stop, you know, get out of your head. It's a bad neighborhood, right? That thing, that voice. Uh, we don't like to talk about it, oddly enough, to me in our uh, society that we all have this internal voice that sort of directs us and drives us. Um, and I think it's actually important for a person, certainly an athlete in their athletic prime to consider if that voice that's inside their head or that they listen to is actually someone who is their best friend someone who is guiding them the right way. I'll have individual meetings with my players and have my assistant coach with me and I'll say to a player, okay, whatever you're saying to yourself in your head, imagine it's coming out of the mouth of your assistant coach. Okay, turn around and imagine that. You still like her? You still want her to be your coach? And the answer resoundingly is no. But yet we trust this thing. And I'm not sure that thing is anything but fear or all those things that dog us. So this mental journey that we're all on, uh, we just use athletics in the beginning of somebody's life to hopefully empower them um, for the rest of their life. Now, obviously you've coached at many different levels in terms of division one, division two, you've, you know, you've been a head coach, you've been an assistant coach. He this is my opinion, obviously, you know, I think you might agree, disagree. I think now the last few years, maybe five plus years or so, players have become more open to exploring the mental part of the game in terms of, I think maybe back 10 years ago or so, I don't think players really were open to the idea of building that, that the mental part of their game, really understanding breaking games down, really, like you said, um, kind of really focusing on that aspect of it. Have you seen the same or you, do you think players have become more receptive to, to understanding that they kind of control their, their um, you know, goals, their limits? I feel like our society, information is more accessible. 
um, and that we're learning that our top players do this. Um, if you're in the women's game, you know that the national team has uh, a sports psychologist on staff. Okay, well, you know, what else can I, how can I be like them? Um, if you're a follower of the professional leagues, you know that the same thing is occurring um, in those locker rooms, whether you're watching, um, you know, one of these series that we get on Amazon Prime or Fox Sports puts on that we get to look behind the scenes of these teams. I think we're starting to see that. And we always try to emulate um, what we see in terms of our best athletes. So I think that they're recognizing that that's important. But I, I would say that probably they don't have any idea how to do it. Um, and YouTube and different things. We have inspirational, sorry, inspirational speakers, but I'm not sure that's a plan for mental toughness. That's motivation. And those things are great, right? They, they get you going, but how long are you going to stay going? Um, so as we dive into this, Brian Kane and peak performance is the guy that I teamed with. And what I really loved about his stuff is that if you're with him and you're in a room with him, you are definitely captivated by the energy and he's a motivator. But if you take the time to read a book that's sports specific that he has, it's a plan, right? There's, there's, there's things that you can do. There's concrete steps that you can follow, that you can fall back on, that the athlete that wants to become um, a little bit more mentally tough or whatever the word you want to insert there, that they actually have a plan to execute. And I think those are the things that are more lasting, that if you could have a plan rather than just one great speech that I can put on my group messaging or that I can get to at YouTube in the morning. Not that they're not great, they are, um, but I'm not sure that that's lasting the journey of the athletic career of the person we're, we're intending it for. So Chris, as you, as you speak there, what's, what's some of the steps maybe that you could kind of, you know, without telling too much about the book, but with, you know, kind of giving us as coaches some ideas how we can start this process and then, um, you know, what we can do to kind of further our players along in their mental development. I think it's important for the athlete and the, and, and the program uh, to sort of define how much of the game they think is mental. Um, players in a group setting will come up with all sorts of numbers. Uh, they'll say 80%, 90%, 100%, uh, down to 20%. Um, but I think for a program, you've got to define what that is for you. And then you've got to look back, are you spending that amount of time on it? Okay, well, what does that look like? Well, if it's 70% mental, which I don't think, but if it's 70% mental, is 70% of your time spent on it? Probably not. Um, so a, a plan and understanding that it's important, what do those steps look like? And then what's the outcome? What's the goal? Uh, one of the things I love that he talks about that's so simple, write some goals in a washable marker. I have a three-year-old, so I definitely know they have them, um, <laughs> that you can write on your bathroom mirror. Maybe you wanted to run three times this week. Why don't you just write, write that there? Every time you brush your teeth, every time you go in there, every time you go to do something, there's a constant reminder. Because what we're good at, we're really good at making plans. We're all really, really good at making plans. Uh, we're really not good at executing those plans. So having something simple like that, and then understanding that it's one step at a time, he'll call it 200 feet at a time, climbing up a mountain. You don't get there you know, in one hop. Um, you know, You literally get to your base camp, and then you gotta go again. Um, but I think identifying as a programmer, as a coach, how important do you think it is looking, having a realistic look at your program and how you do things. Are you spending any time on it? And then what resources do I want to use to spend time on it? And what's that going to look like? Because I think the beauty of, of coaching is that we may have a similar topic, but we all probably have a different way of, of communicating that with our players and our team. Yeah. And, and kind of building off of that, Chris, it's like, 
and obviously this will probably relate more to college coaching in general. It's like, we all have different teams every fall. Every one of our teams is, you know, some of our teams are just mentally strong in terms of, you know, they'll be tested early in the season. They'll get the, you know, the two, one result, the one, nothing result, just battling, battling, battling for 90 minutes. And then we'll, we'll have teams in preseason where you're like, okay, we do need to get a little tougher. We do need to get, you know, we do need to build that mental strength. We're, we're technical and we're really good, but we just need to build this aspect as a college coach. Obviously, we have the benefit of recruiting. We have the benefit of getting to know a lot of our kids prior to their arrival. Is it, are there like benchmarks as a coach in within your program in terms of do you try to reevaluate it like two weeks in? Do you try to evaluate it one weekend? Is there like is there a process in your mind that you're like okay within the season maybe we have to make like you said maybe that make that adjustment that okay, now we need to work more on the mental side of it. Are there checkpoints that, that you and your assistant go through or you guys, you know, it's kind of random. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I feel like the evolution, you try something different every year with your teams or your program. And we have the buzzword. Uh, there's lots of them, obviously, in our sports culture. Uh, I said it already, culture, right? We talk culture. How's your culture like? Hey, coach, what's your culture like? Do you have a good culture? Man, you know what our culture is? How do our kids that are not playing react? That's your team culture. So I think we've tried to incorporate what we do from a physical training standpoint into our mental toughness and abilities. We, again, I know that we've talked with Matt from Soccer Pulse, we use that. We feel like that's partially science driven in what we can do. So we have our players buy into that we hit our training loads. They can rate the training, right? We've dove into becoming quasi-experts at periodization, not to the level that you could be on a professional team, but to knowing what a training load is so that when your players rate a training that you're hitting that number, um, seeing that they're peaking at the right time for games, and that we ask them to trust us, and that if they just follow our plan and they trust us, that they should be informed. Inform means fit where they can feel it, moving around the field and playing well. And in our game, I don't think that in minute 80 to 90, the mentally tougher team wins. I think the team that's still able to execute in those moment wins. So then you have the chicken and egg discussion. Well, is it physical performance or mental toughness? Man, I think it's the physical performance that allows me to believe I'm going to be mentally tough that has me want the ball at the end of the game. So we've done uh, an excellent job, I think, through my assistant coach, who's a movement and weight conditioning specialist, that our players are starting to buy into what we're doing. So then we've become more united, we've become more mentally strong, and our culture's gotten better. And we'll tell a kid, hey, you know, this is why you're not playing, but you can get out to the field, the assistant coach, and work on this. So we try not to leave any stone unturned for the kid who wants to continue to work. But I do think that even whether that's um, in the youth academies over in England or any country you want to put in, that at some point, um, kids and athletes themselves have to be self-driven. Because no matter what we do, no matter what plan we put together, without some self-drive, right? And I've, again, we're all coaches here, right? Think of back to your players, some of them that didn't play, that were really upset about it, that um, became troublesome inside the locker room. How many extra sessions did they do? 
right? So while we'll bear the brunt of that as the coach, we know that that player wasn't self-driven. And no matter what I did, no matter what I tried to do, we really couldn't get the best out of that player. So I guess that's a long answer to a quirky question, but that's what I, what's what we believe as a program right now. So Chris, outside of, you know, offering extra training sessions, you're saying like you, you feel your team culture is built around the players that aren't playing. Um, you said that, you know, with their training loads, they're able to see like their progress. Is there other things that, that you have done to increase that mentality or improve that mentality? Um, you know, that, that gets them on board and it gets that them to kind of be the cheerleaders or be the, you know, more supportive of their team on the field. Gosh, I don't know what we've done or if we've done anything that I'm going to say that we've done specifically or purposely. Um, again, I do think your support staff matters a great deal as a head coach um, and continuing to deliver the message um, that you believe in as a program when, when they're the ones with the team. I think your captains being an extension of, of that belief system, but then also knowing from your assistant to your captains that they can come in your office and disagree with you. And there isn't a penalty for that, um, that we can talk through things. And then what we really tried to do for our team this year is, again, that is a lot of pressure on two or three or four girls to have the whole team on their shoulders as captains. And that's what they feel like, that we've defined what our leaders look like, um, specifically from backbone leaders, these kids that hold up the team, to compass leaders, these kids that we know that are always trying to point the group in the right direction. Uh, hey, we probably shouldn't do that. We have a game tomorrow, um, whatever that looks like. And then we just have our innovators or just some kids that step on the field and we're in awe of how good they are and they grab the team and it goes with them from a, from a technical standpoint. But we've also tried to get our team to understand that, yes, we have those kids and we've identified them, but where do you fit? Are you more of a backbone person? Are you more of an energy person? Or are you more of a compass person with your friends? Um, that you could be the voice of reason? Or are you the kid that, man, you're just really crafty with the ball, and when you're on the field, we're going to want to follow your lead. But to understand that just because you're not named captain doesn't mean you're not a leader. And just trying to, in every way, empower our group to understand it's their team. Now, do you make those roles up? apparent to them in terms of do you explain those roles to them during the season preseason whatever as soon as we uh, have officially finished up our class here and we have to some degree we send out a pdf um i've condensed it right i thought the more information the better like when mm -hmm. i was a young coach the more verbal information the better the reality is the less information the better so we try to get it to a three or four pager um and one of those pages is defining leadership and we do we have backbone we have what it is and we have two pictures of our girls that are senior captains that are that. We take the compass leader, we have the picture of the girl who's a captain who fits that. We have our innovator and we have her picture. So our returning girls understand that, right? And our new girls are seeing it and then they'll experience it, but they can already start to identify because most of the girls we recruit were probably leaders at this place they came from, whether that be their club or their high school team. So they're going to a reduced role. But what was my leadership style? Was I a backbone? Was I a compass or was I an innovator? At least, again, this is for our program. Yep. So I think then they can fall back into those leadership roles and still feel ownership of the program instead of only feeling like I've got to sit back in my locker room and only these girls can talk. You know, that's not what we want. We do want you to respect and follow that lead, but we also want you to be leaders um, within your own groups and within your own people. Now, are there things within preseason or the season that, like, we have, like, a leadership committee on Monday. So we meet with the leadership committee on Mondays, and that, that's it. That is 
two, two players from each class. So eight, eight players that we meet with on Monday and we keep it 30 minutes. Like, like you said, less is more in, in, in most instances. Are there things in preseason? Like, do you meet with the team maybe once a week? Do you, do you implement meetings or do you guys have a team book? Do you guys, are there things that you've consistently done as, as you know, a head coach um, that you've well, we've tried everything. We've tried everything and I'm not sure anything's worked, um, but we're on to now again, our, our team culture is really good right now. Um, where the players, it's funny, man, you get through stuff. And again, the, the mental part and where we're headed with coaching, I just asked our players, okay, if, if we want to be a championship team, give me the four things that we're missing and give me the most important thing for the team to you. Well, my players came back with unity as the overarching goal, right? It wasn't allowed to be winning because that's generic. We all want to win. Right, we wouldn't even join a team if we didn't want to win. Right, don't give me that. What's the most important thing about being on this team? They said unity. To me, that told me two things. One, they crave unity, and two, I'm not supplying it because it's missing. So we've really focused on what they said they wanted. And now we can say we are a unified team. And we do believe inside of our conference, which is tremendously talented, that our only way our only way to get over the top, to get to that place that we want to be is through mental toughness, but that mental toughness is a unity thing. And my players have identified they need it and want it, and we've done a good job building it. So again, we're hoping that that then is the catalyst to the success that we would see on the field um, inside of what we're doing or, or want to do. Now, as, as coaches, I mean, and for yourself in general, it's it's something that you maybe not harp on, but you touch on every day at practice, correct? In terms of maybe you, maybe you mention it after practice, maybe an example at a game, things like that. Is it something that you touch on, you know, weekly, daily? Is it a daily? Is it something that you... the training environment? I want my captains, right, in training environment. Not that they always do it, by the way, or the assistant coach, right? Again, back to, you know, the, the idea of periodization. Well, if I'm riding you, in minute zero to 20 to give me effort. I got no shot of actually you tuning into me in the minutes that you need me, which might be 70 to 80 of the training session. And that might be where your most growth is. So I feel like our captains, I won't do it. I won't yell at them in the beginning of practice. I won't do it because I know that my voice is going to get drowned out and I'm not going to have a training session that way. Um, but I will talk to my captains at the break, like, Hey, this was a moment. Right. This was the moment that we needed your leadership, that you knew the training session wasn't going the way that it should have, that you should have supplied what they needed. I'll never forget my first practice at the University of Colorado. Because I'd been at smaller schools and FAU hadn't gone into Conference USA yet. So we hadn't even touched mid-major. We were just a smaller conference. And it was us and UCF competing um, at that time with some really good coaches, Brian Dooley at Arkansas State and then Jim Blankenship at Florida Gulf Coast were the guys I got to learn under. So that was great. So then I went to Colorado and I'm watching them train. We're at the training session. I'm ready to jump in. Didn't need to because the players were saying it to each other. Um, so somewhere along the line, that's really where your environment of elite athletes takes precedence is that the coach probably shouldn't have to do that all the time because I think we get drowned out in terms of, oh, here he goes again. Oh, that, 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 he's yelling again, right? But if it's my player, if it's my compass leader, if it's my backbone person, 
right? These are the things that we want. And then we try to empower our other kids to do the same. So um, is it something we talk about all the time? It's funny, we don't, um, but we do tell them they have to give 100% in practice. Um, and then, you know, when a kid comes in, why am I not playing? Well, we don't think you're informed. Well, why is that? Well, I'll tell you what, I've rated every training session um, that we've had since you've been here. And you've got to be honest, you haven't given 100% all the time. Right? There's a reality to that. Um, so I think the periodization, the soccer pulse, the trying to identify it, I think they feel like professionals. That's what I want them to feel like, at least. I can't speak for them. I want them to feel like they're professionals. Talking about the mental side of the game, this is what I talk with my players about now. A lot of them are on scholarship. What's well, a contract? It's your first and last in women's soccer, likely. This contract's even harder. It has a time deadline. It's got a four-year deadline. Michael Jordan wouldn't have been a champion in four years. LeBron James wouldn't have been a champion in four years. If he only had a four-year career, they wouldn't have been champions. Your job's harder. You have to be more focused. You have to be less distracted. That then, if you can get a group of players to buy into that or believe that, that is probably the energy of your team that you're sitting back and you're saying, oh my gosh, finally, they're feeling the importance that I do of every season. Because I do feel the importance of a kid in four years getting to her best playing uh, self or having an opportunity to compete for championships. So Chris, I think, um, you know, a lot of my experience has been coaching females. I know, you know, that's what you're doing there at Palm Beach Atlantic. Um, and, you know, hearing you say, oh, the captains are stepping up and speaking up. Um, how, how do you prepare those players to take that kind of criticism from their captains, from their teammates? Um, you know, I've always had an issue. I've seen where some players just shut down you know, um, not understanding that component of, of it being another level at the college level. And that's kind of the expectation. How can us as coaches kind of help bridge that gap, help educate those players and help prepare them for that, that experience that may come during a session where the captains are going to step up and, and be real leaders. Again, I, I always going to come back to a, a similar answer and I'm not sure it's, it's correct, obviously. Um, but they'll lead you to what they're missing. And we have not had this culture where players have been free to speak. Um, we've, we've developed it over time and the players knowing what's missing um, and players feeling still get hurt. And, you know, there are then little things that we've got to smooth back over, um, but they know that they need to, we're not, we're not hoisting championship trophies. We're not making NCAA tournaments. Quite frankly, our program's never qualified for a conference tournament. We've been in conference a certain number of years, but that's a goal that we, we haven't accomplished. So what's missing? They'll tell you, right? And, and most of the time, what they're missing is what you think they're missing. So now you've got to get them to see, we've got to be able to do that. One time they told me they needed to be more coachable. What's coachable? Be able to accept criticism. Well, how are we accepting criticism? Oh, we're terrible coach. Well, exactly, right? That's, that's the reason. Um, and then just getting thicker skin and having those people in the locker room, and it's usually a couple of dominant kids, right? Most teams have that couple of dominant kids that um, at, at FAU, there's a girl named Rhonda Jones who played for the Scottish uh, national team. I mean, she was the best coach on the field and she was harsh. Things you couldn't say uh, as a coach that she would say to her teammates, but she had their back everywhere and players knew that. Um, so I think those backbone kids, have to walk the walk and talk the talk, um, but they've got to show buy-in to every kid on the team. Um, so 
we try to do a good job of making sure every kid uh, feels valued so that then this criticism that they're hopefully seeking is just part of the journey. Now, and obviously those are fantastic points, Chris. I think as we continue to kind of talk, obviously we talk about the players' mental mentality, mental toughness, things like that. Obviously from the coach's side, there's, there's, we have to bring a lot to the table as well. We're, you know, we're consistently speaking to our players. We're kind of always kind of guiding them. So it is, it is, you know, a good relationship with our players in terms of finding a good balance. Have you seen from both the player aspect and the coaching aspect, key attributes that, that help kind of bring those, those teams kind of together, whether it's culture, whether it's the mental toughness side of it, like have there, have there been, positive things that that uh that a coach can bring attributes wise and then same with the players is it except is it as a player accepting not criticism in terms of can you can you kind of talk out some problems can you figure out solutions you know what are those kind of attributes look like have, have you seen over your time patience which i didn't have any of um, when i became a head coach for the first time um that same patience that you have to have if you're a parent and i I mentioned earlier, I am with my three-year-old, um, that when I'm more patient and let the game sort of point things out for us, and then we can go back and talk about them, that we have a little bit more success. It's for me from, from personal journey as a coach, uh, saying a little less, uh, becoming less angry at situations. I may not be less angry, but I'm showing I'm less angry. Um, and then that freedom, um, I, I got a really great comment from a player. Um, I'm notorious. I think my players would laugh if they listened to this, but if uh, they knew I was on it, they probably wouldn't listen, uh, ironically. Um, but we can switch players around because I can see a lot of, a lot of players in different roles. Um, and we switched a girl who's very good at outside back and we're going to play her at central forward just because athletically, I think she can set up the game. Um, and we switched her a couple of times during the year and she said, okay, I have no problem playing central forward for you, coach but give me time to make mistakes and learn the position. Wow, that was, that was powerful for me. Um, that we, we do, even though as a college coach, it starts in August and ends in November, and we feel so condensed, somewhere in there, we've got to realize that these players need the patience and the freedom to make mistakes and the freedom to grow. Um, and that, uh, I think probably helps everybody. Um, so for me, again, the biggest thing is just patience. So how as a, us as coaches, can we model then besides patience, that one touch mentality, what else can we be doing as a coach to kind of model that behavior we want to see from our players? I think we can, we can, we can identify when our players are off, right? I mean, how many times have you guys done a warm up with one of your forwards and she's missing the goal, right? And for her, the whole night's over. It's a warm up for me, right? But for her, it has determined how well she's going to play tonight. I just missed five shots in a row. I got no chance. I'm no good. It's over. I don't even know why I'm going out there. I'm the worst player in the history of this world, right? You got to get them in that moment. In your individual meetings, we do player meetings by the day of the month. Uh, I think we'll have, so many players, I might have to double up somewhere in there um, this year. Um, but we do player meetings by them. We talk about it, that, that internal voice. Because, again, we talked about it earlier. That's the driving thing. Um, I think, again, these conversations, recognizing when it's happening, talking about it in a larger sense, right? We, we have to – the fields are 
spread out and different, right? The, the, the front third of the field, by the way, I guess we are going to have to say we allow more mistakes, right? Because we want creativity to flow. We don't want to discourage um, attacking soccer. Um, I grew up playing as a goalkeeper and started my life as a goalkeeper coach. Well, if a goalkeeper made two blinding great fantastic days but gave up eight goals, they wouldn't have had a great day. If a forward scores two blinding goals but misses eight other opportunities, they've had an amazing day. So there are different things going on in different portions of the field. And in the middle of the field, we're thinkers, right? We're the connectors, we're the thinkers. So we want to engage them about stopping a video. Was there anything else on? Could we have done something different here? Yes, it was a connected pass, but it didn't meet what we've talked about tactically and how we want to approach the game. And then it's tough life in the back, right? It is. You've got to be willing to be coached a little bit harder. You've got to be a little bit grittier um, because our mistakes equal goal scoring opportunities. Um, we've got to be a little tougher. Our skin's got to be a little tougher. We've got to get in a room and say, hey, this was the mistake. Actually, right here was the problem. And I want our players so communicating. I felt like this as a player, as a goalkeeper from the defensive standpoint, let's talk it all out before it happens. We're really good at solving problems once it's over. Can we talk it out where we, we, where we stop the problem? Um, so I do think that we try to engage our players based on their role on the field, um, the positioning of the ball on the field, and then, um, you know, at the end of the day, what their, what their main priority is in the role they're executing for us. Now, obviously, this might be a simple question in terms of, so you're saying that you meet with a, with a different player every day of the month. I do. And is, is that to make sure you guys are all on the same page? Everybody understands their roles? I think, and again, I hope part of this college journey, and certainly at, at PBA, is that I, I want the soccer environment to be very professional. I want the coaching side to be very personal. And in a, in a roster of 30-ish, right, or more, the personal touch can easily get lost because I've got an hour and a half, right? Now I'm in season and my job is predicated on wins and losses. And now it seems like an inordinate amount of focus is on the, is on the playing group, right? It, it is from a playing perspective and preparing for a game, but it's not from a personal perspective, right? It isn't for us and we know that. But how do I continue to deliver that message? Well, it has to be an individual meeting. We also uniquely have our athletic campus off of main campus. So if I wouldn't have got a lot of foot traffic, even if I was on main campus, I've got very little off campus. So they're not just coming in because they're killing time from Chick-fil-A to class, right? They're only coming in because I'm asking them to come in, they're out there for treatment, or that we're getting ready for a game or training. And then inside of those meetings, we try to make sure uh, that we don't just talk about soccer. We have the Sabuto on the table so we can talk about tactical stuff with the vision. Um, but again, at PBA, we talk about different things and we make sure personally uh, that we know what's going on in their life. And hopefully over time, right, it's a bank account. Hopefully over time, I'm going to withdraw. I'm going to be harder one day. I'm going to coach harder one day. And you might be on the other side of it. Well, if all I've done is withdraw, it seems like the bank account's negative to you. If I've done a good job, or at least I've tried to show you I've done a good job of constantly depositing and constantly depositing, that when I do make a withdrawal, the account still seems full, right? And I know that is the way that we try to look at it. We really try to make sure that the account is full because I know I am, right? The game is going to catch me. 
I can have this beautiful mental plan for myself going into a game. And then the passion of the game is going to catch me. And then after the game, I'm going to be like, what happened to me? Who was that guy on the sideline? And I think players are the same way. I think that's the beauty of our game, that it is a, it is a passion uh, type game. So that's where we are with everything. And that's what I've always appreciated about, about you and obviously always talking to you before games and just obviously getting to know you is that obviously the foundation of your philosophy has always been there, but I think you, you've always recognized those moments where you can get better. And I think we both would agree that we're probably better coaches now today than we were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, just because of we're willing to look at different aspects and be like, okay, maybe the game did get me at that aspect, or maybe this, you know, this team needed something different from me. Are, is there something that you would recommend to coaches? And I know you, you talked about patience. I know you talked about obviously allowing a player to feel that ability to, to grow and make mistakes. But is there an aspect, whether that, you know, you've always had that growth mindset of there's always something I can learn. Is there something that, that you would recommend to coaches moving forward? It's like, hey, you know, be willing to do this or, or feel free to do that, that, that you would recommend. I think we all do it, but critically going back over the season and what needed to get better. And it can't just constantly be the answer. Well, I need new players, right? Well, what, what did we do? What, what do we need to work on? And then finding that avenue. I didn't think, I don't know, I don't want it to be like just about my team, but just from, we looked at our season that we weren't a good enough passing team. So obviously then we had to adjust and our training environment in the spring was more desired around having us become a better passing team. Um, again, we would do racquetball court workouts because we can get a lot of touches in in 20 minutes. Uh, individual position work because we need to get you better technically there and then identify obviously our small possession games. Um, so we looked at that as something we needed to get better at. I just, I'm very critical of what we didn't do or what we didn't provide and always trying to find the answer to continue to go forward. And I think coaches, we probably do um, feel that way, but then at the end of the day, um, what is it that's the most important to you? Um, I got introduced to a, a UEFA A pro license, continuing education material from Barcelona, right? So, it revolutionized everything I think about philosophy-wise, mental toughness-wise. I want to touch on it before we have to go, obviously, soon. Um, soccer, the game is more enjoyable with the ball. End of the day. It is more enjoyable with the ball, right? Simple philosophy from Barca that would carry through their youth academies and then obviously to the first team. So that should drive everything. That simple belief the game is more enjoyable with the ball. Well, if the game is more enjoyable with the ball, I've got to be technically pretty good. Otherwise, I'm letting down my teammates and they can no longer enjoy the game at the level that they're supposed to. If I can't play a left-footed ball, half the field is off for me. How can, how can I enjoy the game if I can't do that? Um, fitness is a part of this game, running and doing that stuff. Yes, within your training loads or whatever, but you've got to be a fit player. Well, if I can't, make the runs, then we can't keep the ball. And then pressing back, right? This counter-pressing thing we watch from Liverpool or Man City or this thing that has taken off inside of our game. Well, what was the original purpose of it? Well, the original purpose was that that's our ball. We've got to get it back. And we enjoy the game more when we have it. Um, so those things 
have become really central in the way that I look at the sport that I coach and then our training environment and then in our kids' mental toughness. Um, so I think, again, as a coach, having something that simple for me has made me so much more confident, has made me so much more comfortable about why we're doing this training, how we're doing this training, what we're asking, and why we're coming at it from all the different areas. Well, why? For us, it's really simple. We think the game's more enjoyable with the ball, right? There's going to be games where teams are going to be better than us and we're going to get out possessed. doesn't mean we can't win, right? It doesn't mean that, but our training environment is predicated on those things. Um, but the objective of the game is to score a goal. If you're holding a high line and my forward is faster than you, I don't need seven passes, I need one, right? I think Juventus, Real Madrid, whoever's been fortunate enough to have Christian Ronaldo on their team, they've known that route one still works, right? So I think that we have to be careful not to become soccer snobby also, that I've got to have this amount of possession. Well, obviously possession is to draw an opponent but to understand and recognize that the objective of the game is to score goals. Um, but for me, I think it's a coach understanding. I didn't, I couldn't have said that to you, which is crazy, but I couldn't have said that to you in year one. I would have said that grinding and hard work were the things that I believed in. And I still do believe in that, but where's that going to get me as it relates specifically to this game and winning a championship or winning the games that we have in, as a program? I probably need to have and have now have a more crystallized view of the way I view the game. And then underneath of that is our grinding and hard work because our hard work and our grinding is because we want to keep the ball and we want to score goals. So I think that may be something certainly for me, crystallizing it to that smaller, simple thing has then allowed everything to go underneath that umbrella for me. As you've gone along, uh, you know, I'm not sure how long your, your coaching career has, has kind of went, but, um, you know, you've mentioned you read about Mar Barca. You've kind of took some, some advice from players. Um, how have you developed as a coach outside of that? Are there other books that you have read or other resources that you like to look at that you, you know, gain information and that you kind of reflect on and, and provide you some insight into your coaching style and philosophy? Uh, I mean, I, I constantly read Talent Code, anything by John Gordon, anything that's going to give me an insight on how skill is developed, how I can become better, um, whether that be something like a book like The Four Agreements, something um, Untethered Soul, how, what, how does this mind work, right? Because the mental part of it is understanding the mind, right? And on our players and that internal voice and how do we get to that and what does that look like in a different strategy from a coaching thing I'll, I'll I'll go watch a session when we had those opportunities if I was at FAU and the national team was training at Barry I'd run down and watch that training session the Canadian national team was at uh, in Fort Lauderdale okay we'll go watch that session I love to watch coaches do session we're great thieves right uh, we're great thieves of taking an exercise and then somehow making it our own I love the Instagram sites, the Twitter sites that show me something that I'll send to myself. I subscribe to a monthly that has all sorts of training sessions. Um, you know, it's not this like bravado, oh, I can't plan my session without that. It's, man, what do I not know of? What can I do that's going to help my players or encourage my players um, to do this thing? I'm just constantly reading. I always have been in this growth mindset. Um, I tell my players all the time I love change. Um, and I do, um, 
I'm not sure I love all the change we've had in the last little bit of our world, um, but I do love changing and trying to find a way to get better. And I want them to be in that same mindset. So I just feel like we have to continue to strive to get better. And I also want to, um, you know, whether it's a Michael Jordan quote about like leadership and winning has a price, but that you also have to be willing to do what you ask your players to do. I want them to grow. I want them to get better. I want them to think of things differently. Um, I want to be able to do the same thing. And I think the other part of you ask what coaches can do. Um, I think you could read different things at different times, but I think it is powerful to say to your group or change with your group and say, Hey, you know, I'm changing because I didn't think I was good enough at this. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't good. Enough. Yes. I want to be better. This is why we're making this change. And I think it's going to make us better. I think a, a room full of people probably appreciate that sometimes more than anything else. I think Chris, that leads me into kind of my next question. It's not off topic, but it's just a little more random. How do you address players and maybe, you know, that, that fear of failure or that, that, that idea of failure. And then, and obviously that, that, you know, idea of, of failure, because I run into a lot of players that, that don't want to maybe explore their talent or how great they are because they are scared to put themselves out there and say, Hey, my, my bad on that one, which, which, which like you said, you know, it's, it's a part of it, you know, how have you, how have you kind of addressed that with, with individuals and, and maybe kind of explained it to them? Oh man, this is the hard one, right? Because we could start a year mentally strong and we lose a number of one goal games and we've lost so many of my time at PBA and so many in the last 15 to 10 to five minutes um, and four or five of them in a row um, that you run out of things to say, um, but that you just go back and you break down some film and you try to find a way to be a little bit better. Um, and then you've just got to get players. I, I do think though that statistical stuff that we're talking about, that they've become more phone, tablet, right? My son knows how to work an iPad and he's three. Um, so to think that they haven't grown up with this stuff and that it doesn't help them, I think also is missing a point. So whether, again, our program uses a soccer pulse app, we do our uh, monthly, I give them, it's 30 days and every 30 days we do an evaluation. We look at the development and we come in and we talk about it. We, we, we tell you that this area is lacking or we tell you that you've improved in this area and we're really honest about it. I think the players want that feedback. And I think over time we've probably struggled, or at least I have, struggled in ways of how to provide that that doesn't turn the kid away that doesn't turn them off that doesn't make them feel like they're not good enough um so again i'm not saying that we have it all figured out but these are the these are the things that we try to do to attack these different areas and that development piece is big to us and then i think it shows our our players that haven't found uh of the playing portion of of the journey yet that we still care about them that we're still rating what they're doing in a trading. We're still doing a developmental evaluation on them every 30 days um, that they can view this stuff and they don't have to view it with me in the office. Right. And that really uncomfortable. I'm telling you, you can view it on your phone, you can digest it, and then you can come in and have a conversation about it. And I think they're better at that. I don't think they're great on being caught off guard. Maybe we're all not. I'm not great at being caught off guard at telling somebody telling me I'm not great at what I'm doing either right? My worst moments are when I'm caught off guard. I'm so much better when I have time to prepare for a difficult meeting or conversation. So I think our players are probably very similar. So finding ways to be able to do that has been important. I think that, that 
I mean, you hit it on the now with the Soccer Pulse app. And again, we talked to Matt from Soccer Pulse a couple weeks ago. It was with the developmental part with the 30 days. Have you? Is it just a quick comment from you or your assistant that you add in that developmental part, or is it like a structured breakdown in terms of? I mean, I don't need to know. No, I mean, I I, like they have the number ratings, right? So I just tweak it. There's the whole like developmental thing and it has, you know, where you're growing, where you're not. If there's some areas that I really want to put comments in, I will, but mostly I'm just running through it and ranking them, right? It's my ranking system. I mean, it's yeah. not like, uh, you know, it's my ranks, what I'm thinking, right? And it's going to go back based off of, I'm going to look to it where I've rated your trainings in that month, you know, what's your training form, what's your game form. And then we're going to identify what we know as coaches, Hey, you know, the left footed service hasn't been good enough for you to play left wing. Yeah. Right. So we're going to put that into your evaluation. We're going to put that into your developmental thing. And then we're going to offer you the opportunity above and beyond the training environment to get out and work on that. Well, if you do work on that and it gets better, you're going to see that that column that we ticked you off in last time where that area has grown. Oh man, I've grown. He's noticed back to what they're used to seeing what how they're used to learning that visual stuff to me is more important probably than the than the verbal message because again they can tune us out especially if the message isn't something they want to hear but they will look at that app they will read that evaluation they will go over it yeah right and then hopefully uh that encourages them to get out and work but that's that kid that we're all trying to recruit that um doesn't shut down at the first time that it doesn't go their way um, and that's culture, right? That's the hard thing that we are going to have kids that are going to not play for the very first time in their life. And it's either somebody's fault, right? You, you maybe that he doesn't like me. Um, well, he likes her more. And then who do I talk to? Well, I talk to my two or three friends and my two or three friends. There's no way they're going to tell me, Hey, you know what? You just really haven't been very good in the training environment the last three days. If I was the coach, I wouldn't have picked you either no chance that's going to happen inside their conversations no matter what they're thinking they're in a default mode too yeah you're right he does like her more what else am i going to say so we are very upfront and honest about these conversations and not in a i think at first it was too harsh in the honesty approach but we're back to understanding the honest approach is important but how we're how we're presenting it with technology has been a big help um, and then in framing our conversations and knowing that we're out there uh, willing to do the work to help them get better. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because I think over the last couple of years, I've really honed in on the delivery aspect of it, whether it's like you said, um, you know, maybe earlier on in the training session or in, or in the game, I just didn't deliver something well. Now, well, I'm tuned out. Now my delivery on my tactical aspect is, is means nothing, you know? So I think I've really honed in on the delivery aspect of it and really you know, you, you've mentioned it throughout the, the episode. It's, it's not, it's not changing in terms of like, you're not trying to be softer on a player or softer on a team. It's, it's really just growing to the point where, Hey, I can deliver this in a better manner and I can deliver it in a manner that, that I can, that it can be more effective. So, I mean, I think that's always the, the growing aspect of, of preparing a team, you know, because I tell people all the time and I think you and I've had this discussion and that's why, again, I hate to keep bringing up, you know, <laughs> soccer balls, but soccer balls has been a great thing for us, obviously doing, you know, leadership committees, doing all those, those things that, um, that we've done with our team. It's just, I'm, I'm a great coach 
in November when I know everything has happened and everything, you know, I'm like, I go back to, Oh, I should have made this change. I should have done this. So I think the way you deliver things can maybe, you know, expose those a little earlier and a little, you know, a little bit more um, clear where you can make those adjustments. Just listening here, Chris, just like, man, I got to rethink things that I've been doing. Uh, so, you know, I'm slow to hit the mute because I'm just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, listening and thinking, oh man, I, I was horrible. And, it's interesting uh, though, right? We talk about the, the feeling part. We, and I know we don't do it perfectly. And I know it's impossible to say, and I know it's not going to happen, right? I, I know that before I even say this, um, if it makes it past the edit, but the only part of my job as a coach with my players that has no feeling involved is writing down the numbers who starts the game. And yeah. I have no feelings in that, except that yeah. I think these players, whatever the number may be, are going to give my team the best opportunity to win. And that's what we're there to do. And I'm equally happy for every person whose number I have the ability to circle or say before a game. Right. But it's usually the kid who's working hard. There isn't a secret to this. There isn't. Right. It's the kid who's working hard. It's the kid who's putting in the extra hours. It's the kid who, you know, did the summer packet. It's the kid who plays. It's the kid who does extra work. And you're always trying to encourage the back to the feeling part to get that kid in your, we've, we've done things so much differently. Um, I too, right. I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm going to continue to make mistakes. Um, we did a thing today I put out about like the need to be perfect isn't real, right? That, that's something we've created. That's selfish. Uh, we're a Christian university. That's not from God. That's from us. Um, so we, we try to hit that message even today. Um, but here's what's different from, from my experiences maybe um, and, and now being a better coach, I would say, where, you know, we're having a player meeting and you're not performing and you need to pick it up. And if you don't pick it up, you're, we're going to move you along. This is what we're going to do, right? You're not doing it. We've invested in it and, and we're, we're, this is just the way it's going to be. Well, we found that certainly for our players, and I think just in general, I would never go back to doing it the other way. I'll tell a player, hey, what do we need to do to get you to where I believe you can be? Because remember, I'm the one who recruited you. I'm the one who offered you this scholarship. I'm the one who brought you here. We haven't turned on you. We're not against you. Well, we're not where we think you can be. What do we need to do to get you where you need to be? Don't ever forget we're in this with you. We're not in this against you. And I do think players sometimes feel like the coach becomes against them more than they're in it with them. And that has been a, a, a total change in the way we have these meetings. And I think it's helped create the, the, I think the culture part goes to my players and my assistant. Um, you know, I think I've always told them I provide the structure. You fill the house. Um, and what you fill the house house with is what it's going to look like. Um, because you're going to be around each other more than I am. Um, so you're going to fill it. I think we provided a really good structure, but I think our players and my assistants have done a great job in filling that house to where now it's welcoming. The sign out front says, come on in, you're welcome. And when you get in the door, somebody's hugging you. Um, and before it probably wasn't that way, but in framing our conversations and letting our players know, um, you know, there obviously are times um, where if what your role is doesn't match what our expectation is for you, there could be a time 
where we have to look at what's better for you. Um, but we're never adversarial. We're not against you. Um, and I think some of those conversations have been freeing for my players where going to coach's office doesn't seem so terrible. So, Chris, um, here as we finish up, I mean, that's a great point. I think I had to do the same thing with uh, at USCB. I ended up having to put a couch in my office. I had to end up doing some things that was more inviting and making it more of a home environment, you know, and, and then the players kind of showed up, uh, you know. So, you know, I, I, I find a lot of value in what you were just saying there, making that, that friendly environment at home for them. Um, but as we finish up here, if you could just kind of tell us a little bit, maybe how we can keep up with you on social media, maybe how we can uh, read, read your book, you know, those kinds of things. That'd be awesome for our, our uh, listeners to, to look into more about you. Uh, oh gosh, I have to be pretty bored if you follow my social media, um, because all I'm doing is posting about my son um, and uh, the little things in, in life. Um, from the book perspective, um, it's on Amazon and you can get a Kindle version of it also. Um, playing the game one touch at a time. Again, I think Brian Kane, if you want to follow something on social media um, that's going to make you mentally more tough or look into a, a platform that's going to help you with your mental toughness and that part of the game, I think Brian Kane and Peak Performance is a, is a place to go. Uh, he's done everything from corner George St. Pierre to be with the top softball and baseball programs. And I was at Coastal Carolina when he rolled through the door and um, he would just say simple things that were related to a different sport. And, um, you know, it's also my wife told me I wouldn't do this. Uh, so it's something I had to do when she told me I wouldn't do it. I'm, I'm that guy. Um, so um, I'm grateful that Brian saw the importance of, of making it sport specific. We probably have to do a redo. We're running out of the names being still relevant um, a little bit, but the content, the plan, of the mental plan is really important. And Brian, again, I would follow him on social media before I followed me. Um, but obviously we, I have a Twitter account and an Instagram account. You'll see more pictures of my son uh, than you will of me um, providing anything from a coaching perspective. Uh, hopefully, you know, the, the things that we work on and try to make ourselves better at, uh, my players get to experience that. Um, and that's something that enhances not only their playing career, but the rest of their life. And that's what we're in this for. Um, and that's what our family is about. And we try to create that with our team and we're perfectly imperfect and we're trying to get better every year. And if we talk again in two years, I'll have a whole different way of doing things because what I said today doesn't work anymore and we'll have to evolve in another way. <laughs> yeah. And obviously, Chris, I appreciate you guys you taking the time to talk to us. Obviously I have the privilege of you being a colleague and a friend. And so I can always kind of text you and pick your brain anyway. So, <laughs> but obviously I think that's why it was important to have you on and, and I think your ideas, you know, really hit home. And, and I hope, you know, a lot of people got got something from it, whether it's just making a plan, whether it's adjusting the way they deliver, you know, you know, just that growth mindset of being able to like, hey, it's not always going to work. You know, just because we have a plan doesn't mean we're going to, you know, we're going to win a conference championship. We're going to do things like that. So it's, it's really important to keep evolving. No, I mean, right. Uh, last point for me is we all we all chase championships. I mean, Florida Atlantic, we won one. Man, that ring was really important. I, I think it's still in my office next to a picture of that team. Right? I, I think so. It's made it through the moves. It's not on my finger. It's not on my house. It's not in a vault. Right? Um, so probably in our, in our roles as college coaches and maybe not professional coaches, but even those professional players – what we're more likely doing is we're creating an environment 
um, for these kids, yes, to become mentally tough, but what's that going to make them? It's going to make them better in the next phase of their life. And hopefully we're also creating an environment where these girls are, are, are getting to meet their bridesmaids, their maid of honors and their lifelong friends. And man, that's a hard thing to say because I'm the most competitive guy and I can't wait to eventually win a championship. Um, you know, also in a place that we're told we couldn't, um, again, back to the theme of telling me I can't do something. I'm just going to keep going until we do it. Um, but to understand that the importance of those things probably shrink and their value and the importance of the other things. And that if we somehow focus on those other things, then the thing that we really want becomes more in view and more likely. Um, and I made a lot of mistakes in the journey to getting to believing that. But now that we believe that over the last couple of years, again, I think that has a part to do with our team being so united um, and being so close to each other. Um, if you want to follow our Instagram accounts for our Selfish Women's Soccer, we're doing player spotlights. And the thing that's touched me is that every player talks about how much they love their team. You know, they, we wouldn't have had that being said four years ago. Um, so again, I think it's a credit to our players and our assistant, but then also in what we value um, even though we're all chasing this elusive championship that only one team in a conference or one team in the country gets, we're certainly not all failures um, in other ways. Awesome. Appreciate it, Chris. Thank you so much for your time. It's good talking to you. I think I could uh, listen to you some more. Uh, really appreciate it, guys. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Chris. We'll talk soon. Yeah, man. See ya. Our weekly show is brought to you by Athletics View. Whether it's soccer, football, basketball, and many other sports, you have a memory to share. Let us help you share that game or match through film via our video production. For more information, visit athleticsview.com, spelled V-U-E, or follow them on Instagram or subscribe to their YouTube channel. All right, Eric, back here uh, with Ball Side, Goal Side. Just uh, got done speaking with Chris there at Palm Beach Atlantic University and uh, co-author of, um, you know, his mental approach book. And uh, I was just entrenched with, his, with him and, and could listen to him speak all day. I think, uh, you know, it was, it was good for me. As you said in, in the beginning of this, that you know him very well, so you speak to him a lot. And I can see how you're drawn to him and why you, why you have that connection because he, he's, you know, a very intriguing person and easy to listen to and, and has some good stories and good ideas that us as coaches. And I know myself can implement and, and help me in my coaching career. Yeah, I think, I think again, it's um, I think you and I talked about it before, before jumping on air and things like that. It's just, it's, it's incredible how when somebody rewords it or reframes a, a phrase or things like that, how it reframes it in your mind as well, in terms of the thought uh, of what, you know, what was, what was said and what is expected and things like that. So, um, you know, I think you're right. I think Chris's ideas and, you know, obviously his ideas of leadership, obviously just touching on compass leaders, backbone leaders, uh, things like that. Um, just the idea of him providing the structure of the house and his players are the ones that fill the house. So they're, they're in control of how it looks. Uh, there's just so much that, that you can, you can gather from it. Um, you know, I think like you said, you can kind of talk all day about it. And uh, obviously, you know, Chris has made a point to kind of stay up to date with all that stuff. But I think not, not to add to the validity of it, but it's, it's like, I think us coaches always appreciate it when it comes from different various levels as well, because, you know, Chris isn't just talking from, oh, I've only seen it done this way or th at this level, you know, and I, I think 
uh, coaches that are at smaller schools like myself and coach at, at, at you know, a U14 club team or U15 club team and, you know, you being on the club level now and things like that. And it's just, we all want to know that it relates to, to, to what we do as coaches, not just because we're college coaches or youth coaches or high school coaches or anything like that. Um, Chris's experience coaching club, coaching at division one, coaching at, you know, D2 and things like that and coaching at various levels, you know, it just adds to that thing where it's that, that validity of, you know, he, he knows what he's talking about. And when you listen to him, you can tell that he does the research to really, um, you know, back the statements and, and the understanding of, of what he's, what he's talking about. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, the, the biggest thing for us as coaches is to, to know and understand one that I think we have the growth and that we need that, that, you know, areas of improvement that we can then translate to our players. I like what Chris talked about. Um, sometimes when we're introducing something at training, we need to explain that rationale. And he said, I, I need to do it for myself. Like as a coach, I need to improve in this area. So we need to introduce this or this is why I'm reading this book or this is why we're doing these things. And I think, uh, you know, that speaks along, it goes a long way with the players when you can kind of open up with them and they understand and see that, okay, coach realizes he's not perfect or she's not perfect and making mistakes. And, uh, you know, I think that's what I, I really enjoyed it. You know, as you mentioned too, the backbone, the, the compass and the energy leaders, I, you know, that was, that was nice. Um, but I really took that whole thing of being open and honest with your players about things that you're doing and why you're doing them and, and such. And, and I think that helps with their mentality, helps with our mentality as a coach. And, and I think that just some positives here that, that, you know, I took from it and hopefully our listeners can take from it as well, because it, it was a great conversation from, from my end anyways. Yeah. And, and, and understanding that as a coach, you're not always going to get it right, you know, and that's okay, you know, and it's okay. You can, you know, you can definitely look at it and, and make sure, you know, um, it's, you know, that, that you're just circling back and you, you kind of communicate with your players, like you said, and, and you make sure, Hey, this, this went right, this went wrong, things like that. So, but you're just always trying to grow and get better. Um, so I would really highly encourage anybody that, that is, is listening to, obviously I'll, I really listen to all of our podcast shows. So, so it's, but it's definitely one that I'll, I'll, you know, listen to again and kind of maybe take a couple more notes here and there in terms of what, you know, what to do and, and, and how to, you know, the outlook of, of, you know, creating that culture and, and helping our players kind of empower themselves to, to, you know, grow uh, on the field, off the field, things like that. But I encourage anybody that uh, the book is called playing the game one touch at a time, uh, the mental game of soccer. Um, and, uh, and I think Brian Kane and then Chris Ganem is, uh, you know, they're, they've, they've been around it. They've, they've seen it. And I think, you know, I think that's something that people can kind of keep looking. I hope, obviously, hopefully everybody can follow his program at Palm Beach Atlantic university as well. Um, you know, just like every other program right now, we're just waiting to get on the field and hoping to play in the fall. But no, I really appreciated Chris's time and obviously, uh, something that that's really close to close to what I like to try to do in terms of really, you know, stay, stay, you know, kind of up to date with that mental side of the game and really, you know, allowing our players to have the freedom to grow, you know, in, in the way that they want to grow. Yeah. And that's, that's really exciting. I think that, uh, you know, it's going to be a book I'm going to try and pick up and read through as well and, and, uh, and take a look at, um, uh, next week, Eric, really excited. We're going to speak to Laura McLean. She's a athletic trainer for us soccer with the youth national teams. Um, you know, and I think it's going to be a great conversation we're going to have with her, especially this time and, and uh, that we're coming back. Teams are starting to train again. We're going to talk to her a little bit about, um, you know, what we, what we can be doing as coaches to help prepare that and to reduce the number of injuries. So really excited to get her take from her perspective working with the youth national teams and, uh, and seeing what we can do to help our coaches further their understanding and, and as we prepare to head back into season.